So, retrospectors, what historical events are we ticking off on this week's run of Today in History? Well, Monday is the anniversary of the day Roger first publishes famous thesaurus. Then on Tuesday, we say happy birthday, Mr. Potato Head. On Wednesday, the extraordinary stories of the child soldiers who fought in the American Civil War. On Thursday, how King James changed the word of God. And on Friday, what did spam emails look like in 1978? We discuss this and more on Today in History with the retrospectors. Ten minutes every weekday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the podcast that's hot enough for an instant disqualification. I don't get that one. Tyres. Tires. Oh, was Massa's tyre too hot? Yes, I did read that. Just Sorry. like our podcast. Hot, hot, hot. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the dull Formula One podcast that relies entirely on its lovely atmosphere. Oh, what an atmosphere. Can we play in Russ atmosphere. Welcome to For F1's Sake, the podcast that wishes it would rain more. Because rain makes Formula One better. But maybe not inside in a pub. Doesn't make the podcast better, though. Welcome to you for F1's sake, the podcast that wouldn't miss the wife's birthday for anything. All right, okay, okay. I really enjoyed the Monaco Grand Prix last week, and it was really good. I'm Chica Ayres, and today we discuss Rosberg's revival, FIA, PR failures, and Max Verstappen, future world champion. So that's all to come. Joining me in a pub, the Sherlock Holmes, a fellow man with a cold. I'm not a man. You're not still. a man, are you? I sound like one today. Can't be bothered to write a witty intro for himself. It's Phil Tromans. Yeah, I've got a cold. Phil, what have you been up to this week, please? Uh, I just got back yesterday from Tenerife, where I was driving the new Porsche 911. It's very good. I think Sounds I like the Cayman better, but you can't deny that the 911 is a very good car. Uh, and I also had a chat with a, a chap called Rob Wilson, who is a driver coach to 12 of the current Formula One drivers. What? Teaches them how to be better, which was, uh, which was very interesting. Has and he got any other things for driving lessons? You need to manipulate the car. That's, that would be his advice. It all, it all makes wheel. sense. It all makes sense. And it will make even more sense when you read my article on him. <laughs> all right. Opposite Phil is a man who wrote a witty intro, but lost it. It's Terry. Terry, what is new with you, please? I've not been out too much, um, apart from, apart from. Sorry, I'm breaking up a bit because this is quite hard to say. Um, groveling for the last few weeks in sheer apology for for a my month. error, my error of scheduling at the last podcast that meant that I had to either keep the Formula One fans happy or my wife. Like Formula One, I decided not to keep the fans happy. <laughs> and basically, fuck them. <laughs> uh, the fans or. Well, it was it was <laughs> your wife's birthday. After it was all. quite a birthday, I must say. I put my Bernie Eccleston wig on. <laughs> oh God! I'm so glad we got that explicit tag on iTunes. Yeah, and I behaved like a, any 92-year-old man would. Or better Bernie than than uh, Max Mosley, I suppose. Okay, so we are going to talk to you about the Brazilian Grand Prix with a smattering of the Mexican Grand Prix because, of course, we missed doing the podcast. <laughs> Just yeah, right, great. I've apologised. <laughs> So, Phil, I know that you are dying to give us an overview of the two races. Well, after the, uh, the, the, the classic that was Austin, I think we were, uh, we were all set up for a, an awesome Mexican race. New classic circuit, new, new people. New Nigel Mansell corner. Yeah, new Nigel Mansell corner. And it was pretty dull. I actually like. can't remember anything about the race at all. But I do recall that I did like the mariachi bands and like the fact that the track goes through a stadium. That was good, wasn't it? Yeah, it looked awesome. And the atmosphere looked really cool, and there were just people just going wee and being, you know, Mexican it remind, and happy. It reminded me of when Jonathan Legard used to do the uh, BBC commentary, and whenever they were in Abu Dhabi, 
he would bang on about how great the hotel was. And he'd be like, oh, great, I'm watching it on telly. That's not... That's not it is a nice hotel. I'm sure it is, but that's not a good way of bringing the viewer in. No, <laughs> going, oh, do you know what? They, 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 you don't have to tip. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I, I, off the top of my head, I can't remember much else about Mexico. Can, did Perez didn't change his tyres like, all weekend. Yeah. He did a couple of overtakes in the stadium, which was good planning by him, and the, yeah. the crowd went, Wee! Who won? Who oh, won? Rosberg won. And Contrary to my prediction, I think, in the last proper podcast oh, we did, that, was too long that, that he was broken and that was that. He wasn't broken at all. Okay. He's, he's kicking And who came second, please, Terry? Um, was it Hamilton? Yes, it was. Probably. And in third was Vettel. No, it wasn't Vettel. Vettel crashed out. No, you're right. I, no, it was, sorry. It was cheeky little naughty Bottas. It was. Little, I'm going to say it was cheeky then. I'm going to use... Well, well done. You know, well done. No, no worries. It was Bottas, who apparently is very unpopular in Finland now. Have you read about this? No. Because no. he's had a couple of classes with Raikkonen. And the kind of, you know, laid-back view that I'm I'm of is that Raikkonen's kind of been at fault on both. Raikkonen's an old dinosaur, needs to retire. He's getting a bit kind of Mr. Magoo with his moves. But in Finland, Raikkonen is still king. And the fact that Bottas has come up against him a couple of times, social media have turned on Bottas. And now he's hated in Finland. That isn't... I didn't know that. That's... Yeah. Uh, He's persona non grata. He's not very well liked. Terry's always keeping up dates with the Finns' opinions. The, <laughs> the fin, fin, fin opinions. No, it doesn't work. The <laughs> Finnians. <laughs> so let's talk about Brazil. We had, of course, one minute silence for the road traffic deaths and Paris. Yeah, let's. Shall we? Shall we go headlong with the comedy podcast into atrocity? I think we should. So basically, there's been, as everyone knows, a horrendous terrorist attack in Paris this weekend. The FIA, based in Paris. Jean Todt, the head of the FIA, lives French. in Paris, has lived there all his life. Uh, he's French. He's French. He's obsessed with road safety. His whole thing at the minute is the FIA should be in charge of all road safety. And he'd arranged for there to be a minute silence at the start of the race in in the name of road safety accidents. This is before all the incidents yeah, in this Paris. Is a, a very lovely, valid, valuable thing. You know, It's a great thing to, to bring awareness up of. of. Then Paris happens. Then at the race, just two days later, there's talk of a minute silence at the start of the race. Where everyone goes, oh, this must be a minute silence for the horrible things that have happened in Paris. And John Tots, they go, no, 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 this is a minute silence for the road safety thing. And I was going, yeah, but, you know, everyone's quite cut up about Paris, John. Can we maybe a minute silence for Paris? Because, you know, the road safety thing can wait. Because, no offence, but, you know, it's not as important. Ongoing. As the news. <laughs> These are, no, it's, uh, this is for road safety. I get where you're coming from, John, but let's be honest, this is a little bit, at best, insensitive, at worst. Emotions are running a little high. Yeah, so maybe, maybe we can just have a minute's silence because the whole news is there. Okay, okay. What's that, John? What's that? That's it. Let's combine the minute's silence to be both road safety and the Paris atrocity. That seems like a reasonable compromise. Presumably they agreed that and left it there. What would you have done if you were organising it? Would you have postponed the road safety one for a week to the next race yes okay all right i would have said stop being so stupid the whole world and the news is watching let's go yeah just we, we, we're not doing that but they've done any publicity already about the uh, the road safety thing they had a, a, a banner oh yeah they, they spent a bit of money printing a thing so you know you don't want to whatever <laughs> I, that. Saw that, yeah. I think it had the date on everything so i can understand <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, that must have been 25 euros or something. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, you know, you don't want to waste it. Okay, we, uh, right. sh- Should we mention uh, how Jean Tot sort of uh, explained his position? Oh, I don't know this. No, go on, Carol. In, in a particularly tactful way? Well, I, I, I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but he basically said, within earshot of the media, uh, oh, well, more people are killed in road safety accidents than, uh, than, than were killed in Paris. You're kidding. No, I'm not oh at all. He actually Christ. said that. And everyone, he seemed quite surprised when everyone went, what? But he didn't say it. Like, this, this, is not the time, this is not the time and place to say that he kind of thing. It, he said it in front of all the media. I've been Massive. saying all season that the FIA need to be more active in doing stuff because they're basically just sitting there and going, and really not doing anything. And they finally come out and do something and it's completely the wrong thing. And they've just PR hashed it all. I mean, a French bloke from France from a, a, an organisation based in France literally just a couple of days after all this happens comes out with just a, a monstrous PR gaffe and mm. oh, I don't know alright let's move on to talking about the teams we start off with Mercedes I we don't think any of you were expecting Mercedes to do well were we <laughs> and for both races we had Rosberg in first Hamilton in second and the same for the qualifying is there anything more pathetic 
than Rosberg getting good when it's too late to mean anything. Just I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, he has been looking really good. Like, I, I don't think we should write him out yet. I know. I'm I totally still right. I'm right. I'm totally <laughs> am. Because the season's not over till it's over. But it is over. <laughs> oh, it's still Abu Dhabi. No, because Abu Dhabi is a pointless race. It's double points, isn't it? It's not double points. Oh. They use, it's half points this year. <laughs> to make up for last year, they're doing half points. So when he's got to put it out of the bag when the championship's at stake, he's just rubbish and getting gusts of wind and going off everywhere. Now, now that Hamilton's crashing cars in Monaco and getting drunk with his mum, I think, um, <laughs> Rosberg's suddenly good. And it's like, well, that's... It's the equivalent of... And I'm sorry, Chica, this reference isn't understandable, to, relatable to you. Okay. But when you're at a urinal... I know, and I get that. And if you... If, I that. <laughs> and if you... If you, like me, suffer from cannot we next to another man syndrome, then as soon as the person at the next urinal walks away, you suddenly wee. That's what Rosberg's doing right now. He is suddenly weeing. The whole of the year, Howard's been sat, stood next to him with his huge cock, and now he's walked away, he's zipped up his fly, gone to get drunk with his mum, and Rosberg is having a wee. Well, it's better than Rosberg going to get drunk with Hamilton's mum, I suppose. Well, that would at least have riled Hamilton, wouldn't it? And we know he can't deal with pressure. So that's what should have happened. We were one of those dealt very well with pressure, pushes on the podium, like I've always been wanting. <laughs> You're really hankering for a rumble on the podium. This po- this year won't be good unless there's a fight on the podium at Abu Dhabi. Like Do you reckon it- there will be? It would be good, wouldn't it? Because because of the be nature good. of the podium, it would look like a sort of 80s side-on Street Fighter-style beat-em-up, wouldn't it? They'd just be <laughs> approaching each other from opposite sides of the podium. So basically what we're saying is Rosberg won, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. Okay, Hamilton came second, but he didn't deal with it very well, did he? No. He's, get, he's got a bit moany, hasn't he? Mm. The, there were some debaters like, oh, whether he's won the championship now and he just doesn't care and he's just cruising it. And what but was that claim about that they've changed the car? He suddenly came up with the claim saying that, oh, Mercedes have changed the car since, was it Singapore? Well, I think he's trying to do a bit of uh, psychology on Rosberg. He's basically saying, oh, now I've won the championship. They're letting you win, mate. Eh? They're letting you win. You're not actually winning. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I think we've seen enough of Hamilton over the years to know that he really likes winning and he really doesn't like not winning. Uh, I think Rosberg's just got the better of him at the moment. Now, whether that's for various psychological reasons that, you know, maybe Hamilton has think, oh, I've got it now, and subconsciously he's not perhaps trying quite as hard. But he seems to be a bit irked about it. You'll notice in the in the room of awkwardness, or the tent of awkwardness, as we had in uh, uh, Brazil, that they're not talking still, are they? So there's clearly still feelings and, oh, I wanted to win kind of going on. Although, wouldn't you, if you were a racing driver, wouldn't you say, right, whatever happens, if we're both on the podium, let's just pretend we hate each other, because that's going to that's gonna fuel thousands of podcasts. <laughs> if they're actually best, best mates. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd have at least 70% less content. So. Yeah, exactly. Before we move on, shall we, uh, shall we talk about strategy gate? Because Hamilton's, Hamilton's key complaint was that he thought he was faster, and he was pushing for Mercedes to change his pit strategy so that he could try and find a way past Rosberg because he's basically his, his, his beef was I'm just as fast as Rosberg I think I'm faster but I'm stuck behind him and because of aero I can't get near enough to overtake because our car's pretty much the same and Mercedes said well we're one team so we're not just going to change it so you can win yeah Mercedes said no we, we uh, our policy which has been since 2013 is we don't change we don't change the, our, our drivers are on the same strategy and then they can, they can race outside of that but we're not we're not doing that because oh that's bad it's a Which very old-fashioned team, Mercedes. Like, if you want to change strategy, you've got to do it in writing. <laughs> facts. Yeah, so it takes a few days. <laughs> Respond in triplicate. Oh, it's just come through. It's Tuesday afternoon. <laughs> yes, you may pit for hearts. My thinking is, look, you've got two sides of the garage. As far as I'm concerned, they should be able to do exactly what they want as long as they're not literally taking each other off the track. I Why can't Pete Bonington, Hamilton's engineer, just say to him, right, we're doing this instead, try and get by him? And then I, it's up to Rosberg to respond. I totally agree. But this is the problem when it becomes big corporate companies running Formula One teams is that they want... Because there was a apparent threat that if they were screwing around, Vettel could have got second place, that they didn't want to take a risk. And it's a big, you know, it's a big thing. They want to do another one too. It's the statistics. And Hamilton's in second. The championship's over. Just stay second, mate. You know, well, don't worry the about fact it. that the championship is over is even more reason that they go, ah, let's give it a go. It's not as a Money's fan, in the bank. I'd obviously would have rather seen the end of the race as a race, but I can see where they're coming from, even though I don't agree with it. Okay, so what was I've, um so Nico got a bit sort of stalkery during the race as well, didn't he? He was just a little bit 
like, what, what, where's, where's, where's Hamilton right now? What's he doing? What's he doing? It what, was what's so he, what, uncool. What's he wearing? <laughs> is he um? Is he asked about me? Is he asking about me? Is he? Does he? No. Just just checking. Is he? Was it? Was it? I just I thought I saw him in my mirrors next to yeah. uh, next to a Red Bull. What's he doing with that Red Bull? Like, language is always fascinating because it seems there's a lot of. Hamilton says, "What's the other driver doing?" Like he doesn't even name Rosberg in communications. Like, what's the other driver? What's, what's other, he doing? What's driver number five doing? Or what's I don't even know what what's number our number is. two driver doing? Yeah. Whereas Rosberg is just like oh. Just, do you think Lewis likes me? <laughs> uh, we can't get the information on the radio. I know you can't, but you just know. Just give me a hint. Yeah, just like one one beat for yes, two for no. Does he not not like me? <laughs> so let's go on to Ferrari then. A mixed two races for them. Vettel and Raikkonen had a horrendous Mexico Grand Prix. It was like the first race where both Ferraris had not finished since like oh yeah, I forgot about 1912 that. or 94. It's actually uh, 1729. <laughs> it was since. Before the birth of the baby Jesus. <laughs> so let's move on to Brazil then, as Mexico was such a nightmare. Vettel did very well. He did. He's good. Bless him. He kept out of trouble. I mean, we didn't really see much of him, but he, was, he seemed to be... The, the pace of the Ferraris this weekend was pretty good. They were, they were what, five, six seconds behind the Mercs or something? Yeah. Which is pretty seconds. good, considering there were no safety cars that I can remember. Nope, no safety car. Does this mean good things for 2016? Hopefully. Yeah, I'd like to see a little Should bit do. more uh, argy-bargy between the two teams. Archie Barton. Little bit, my, of, uh, my, my little bit worry, of red on silver action. My worry is that they're going to do that thing that always happens in Formula One, is that their leap in the winter is going to be so vast that it will just be the Ferraris are the quickest team next year by a long way. You know, That's never happened before. What, the <laughs> I don't remember any period of Ferrari dominating Formula One for quite a long time. But wouldn't it be nice if Mercedes and Ferrari were on a par next year? Like, So it's a real race. I don't want Ferrari being too good. And I think it, if I was in charge of Ferrari car design, that would be like number one. Let's not make it too good. Can we keep that in? I don't I know if you picked it up. Yeah. It's always nice when that kind of thing, but it has to happen by circumstance. Otherwise, you're just into the realms of why don't we just have a one-make championship and all the cars are the same and it's all about the drivers. Mm. It'd be nice if it happens, but I don't think we can do anything about it. Unless you're suggesting the that perhaps the, same. perhaps the two teams could share information. But that's happened before and it didn't end well for quite a few people. So Yeah, yeah. Do we have anything to say about Raikkonen? Oh, just well, go. Well, he, t- he tried something different. He tried a two-stop didn't work and then he gave the place back to Vettel like a good number two should okay well then Williams <sighs> I mean they're almost there but they've been almost there for like two years mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. this is pathetic and they still keep making stupid mistakes should we should we, should we address the uh, superheated elephant in the room so with? yeah because I don't really know exactly Embrace what happened so I know that Massa got disqualified for what was it exactly his rear tyre was 27 degrees warmer too hot than the maximum of 137 degrees no it was, 130, it was 137 degrees which is 27 degrees too hot that's what I meant <laughs> 27 degrees is a lot isn't it but I really want to know Phil why does that make it better well, my understanding, largely speculative, based on about 20 seconds of reading a story about it. Um, when the race is about to begin, they have the tyre warmers on and there's a set maximum pressure that they can be and there's a set maximum temperature they can be. Mm-hmm. The temperature affects the pressure and yada, yada, yada. And the reason those are there is from Pirelli, there are rules on how hot the tyres can be. Because if it gets to a certain level, it actually starts to damage them. So there's a balance between having them hot because hot tyres work better Cold tyres you skitter off all over yeah. the place. When they're hot, the rubber's softer, it grips the track, everything's good. And so teams naturally want them to get them as hot as they can get away with. And let's not forget, winter's setting in. So it's, cold it's, just nice. yeah. it's just nice to it's have... It's nice to have hot tyres, just, just to warm just the... A bit of wa- just it's like an electric blanket. Just, just to be there, just when you're in the car going, oh, I'm glad I didn't put a jumper on. There's a maximum allowable temperature, and the FIA goes around and they test all these things, as we saw with some other tyre stuff early in the season. So... Either the FIA's equipment was wrong, or Williams' equipment was wrong, or somebody wasn't checking stuff properly, or they were deliberately trying to cheat. Which what do you the, reckon? Well, the latter seems a bit unlikely, because why would you only cheat on one tyre? Everyone's got a favourite. <laughs> I think somebody made a mistake, and I haven't done enough research to be able to make an informed opinion as to who it was. Terry? So if you've got any ideas, mm-hmm. write to us at... <laughs> or let Terry have a go. Terry, what go. What do you reckon? So what... How much was it off by? 27, 27 degrees, degrees Okay, high. so 37 degrees is body temperature. And I think that's probably what was going on there. There was someone in the tyre. <laughs> <laughs> Only explanation. So you're saying it was actually too cold, but there was somebody in the tyre. There was somebody in the tyre. It was too cold by 10 degrees. 
They who said, does, who's, William, who's fallen out of favour at Williams? <laughs> Patrick Head, they were like, right, you're no good just anymore. You're United. You get in the tyre. Don't worry, we'll let you out before the race starts. Do you think this has anything to do with Susie Wolf retiring? She got to drive in the Grand Prix by being in the tyre. Finally! <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that wasn't their only thing they got done for. Bottas had a three-place grid penalty for overtaking under the red flag in practice. I'm bored of Bottas. But, I mean, he's quite good. Is he? He's yeah. now Max Verstappen. Well, no, he's not as excited as Max Verstappen, but he is in a better car, so he's getting better results. He was on the podium in Mexico, and he was fifth uh, this weekend, at a brilliant, at the best start of anybody at the start of the race. You see the big overhead ca- uh, helicopter shot, and he's just zipping around. Was, he was, was it Hulkenberg was in front of him? He wasn't in the helicopter, no. Um, <laughs> but he, he, he went flying up to fifth at the start, and then stayed there. But we never Which get is pretty much the story that. of this race, because nobody overtook anybody. No. We never get excited about them, do you? Whenever you hear Bottas, you're never like, ooh, what, what do they do? Or, well, or Matt, ooh, you always think, oh, yeah. Well, I, I, They're both fifth. I quite like him in an understated sort of way. He's, like, he's, he's, he's no nonsense about him. He just gets on with driving quite pretty well in mm-hmm. a car for a team that keeps making silly mistakes. And then sometimes cheats. Right, Red Bull. So, new engine. They finally used the new Renault engine that's taken 11 of the 12 tokens of Renault all year, and it's slower. What? So, <laughs> Sorry, they, what? so they took a 10-place grid penalty to have yep. a new engine. Very excited, thought this must be absolutely worth it. That was Ricardo, And then Kvyat, with the old engine, then overtook Ricardo, and he <laughs> finished in the 11th. <laughs> yeah, well, Ricardo tried to get out of his lousy start by pitting, like, 20 seconds after the race started. Uh, and then got stuck behind the manners for ages because uh, Interlagos is quite a difficult track to uh, overtake on. Both cars struggled with power and tyres and it was another weekend to forget for Red Bull. Okay, question, Phil, with your race experience. Why was it so hard to overtake an Interlagos? It not normally is. Normally it's fine to overtake there. It's, it's aero, isn't it? The aero, once again, last, last year they changed the rules to slash down the the amount of aerodynamics because none of the cars could overtake each other and they brought in DRS but the trouble is now that a Formula 1 engineer is quite clever uh, and they're fine tuning all the little bits of the car so that they're increasingly again more reliant on aero you'll notice that the cars around the circuit this year are much much quicker than the equivalent circuits last year and consequently now when you're following a car and you've got your your airflow being disrupted it makes it much harder for the car to work properly and so you get well you do exactly what happened to Hamilton you get you get up behind the car in front and then you find that your car doesn't work as well. So that little extra little bit to, to just get into a position where you can get past them is really difficult. Is it always so going to be like that? Plus Interlagos is relatively narrow and stuff. So, Is it always going to be like that? I think I think until there's less dependence on aero, yeah, I can't really see another way around it. Unless I they bring the in more, 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 uh, more gizmos. What do we have to say about Lotus? Maldonado's Lotus. back. Yeah! It's been quite a, a while. We've just seen in the last episode that Maldonado's been very well behaved. Mm. Well, he crashed you know. into Ericsson, got a f- only got a five-second penalty for it. It wasn't the worst crash he's ever done, but he still kind of went barreling into turn one far too quickly and was seemed surprised when Ericsson tried to turn the corner. We yeah. breathed a sigh of relief. He's back. Yeah, I felt good. I, th- I felt good about that. I thought, <laughs> well, he's either crashing or he's frequently winning that wrong race. Those are the kind of extremes of Maldonado. And the middle... The average boring, I'm going to finish eighth. There's no story there. That's nothing you can sink your teeth into. So good on him for not being a winner, but crashing. Either crash or win, Maldonado, if you're listening. I don't want any of this finishing eighth nonsense. Any aspiring race drivers out there? Uh, yeah. Terry is available for one-on-one driver coaching yeah. and uh, inspirational speaking. Are you going to win? Then crash. <laughs> not going to win. Then crash. <laughs> you're right. Wow. I like Terry's more. <laughs> I think everybody, when they cross the line, should just be forced to ditch it in the most spectacular fashion. It is a bit like I was playing on the Xbox, the Formula One game where you can race online, and I'm usually quite rubbish at it. And then I found myself in the lead of a race, and the pressure of being in the lead, I crashed. <laughs> I was just like going, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And someone was coming up behind me, and I just went the wrong way. <laughs> I did that in a kart race once. I'm, I'm not. I wasn't. I used to race a lot in carts, and uh, I was never particularly good because I'm too heavy. But that one time it rained. Oh, I wouldn't say that at all. Oh, no, right, no. For the for karting, I'm quite heavy. But um, it, it rained one day, life. and so when you rain, it's actually better to be heavy because your weight pushes the tire through onto the surface. Mm-hmm. And I, I actually started beating people that normally wipe the floor with me. And I overtook one guy on a big long left-hand bend. And I was like, I'm in the lead. I'm in the lead. And literally within a second and a half, I'd lost the back end and spun it into the wall. Oh. So I agree with you. Sorry. Pressure is a is a terrible thing. Okay, Toro Rosso, let's have Verstappen fan club, please. Verstappen did some excellent overtakes and was possibly the only exciting bit of the race. Hang on a minute. You can't overtake in Brazil because of the aero. We just went over that. 
Well, but he did. Yes. What? If you're in the same cars as the Mercedes were, then yes, or equally matched cars. But Verstappen seemed to do something different because he's got the Renault engine, which is better than the Mercedes. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know why. He just did. He's brilliant. He's a genius. This is sad. Verstappen did very well, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm more and more impressed with him. You know, if he's if he's impressing an old curmudgeon like me, then well done. But he either did something deliciously clever or a bit dickish yesterday. In the race or? In the, in the press. Oh. I don't know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? He said that his great overtaking moves from Brazil were because he'd studied Raikkonen on Schumacher in like 1990 or whatever and his great overtaking moves. He wasn't born in 1990. 1990. No, he studied, no, he, st- he studied <laughs> the videos of... I don't think Raikkonen was driving in 1990. 1990-something. 2000... <laughs> Whatever year it was. Look, I'm not 1962, here. yes. Carry you don't on. come to me for the facts on this podcast. You're not like, oh, what year was that, <laughs> You Terry? come to this podcast Oh, was it, was it when Jesus was born? <laughs> right, so that's not what I'm here for, let's be honest. But he said that I was studying old tapes of Raikkonen and Schumacher, and Raikkonen did these lines, and I copied him. And how must that be for Raikkonen? This is where someone, this like four-year-old goes, oh, do you know what? I was looking at this thing you did when you were good. Oh, it was great. <laughs> so good. Can I have your driving seat? Can I have your seat next year? Um, can I, uh, you know, just... Because, you know, when you were... Because you're old now and, you know, not doing these things. Can I maybe steal your seat next year? Because you're rubbish, Dad. I hadn't thought of it that way, but that, you could maybe, maybe he's sort of bringing in sort of annoying teenager psychological warfare. Yeah. Can I just also say that um, you may remember some time I've been talking about Will Stevens' King of Drift. Did anyone see Verstappen's drift in free practice? You sent us a video. It, and I watched may, it. it made Will Stevens look like a rank amateur. I mean, I've, I'm a big admirer of Verstappen already, but now if, uh, I'm sure it's on, it's on YouTube. Everyone Google Verstappen drifting. Yeah, uh, great the most German epic video. drift you've ever seen, which he held and got back. And even his, even his pit crew on the wall were going, holy shit, that was good. We'll tweet you that link. What about Force India? What about Force India? They're doing all right. They've uh, since they've updated their car, they're quite good. Hulkenberg always goes well at Brazil. Remember that year, one year he got pole a few years ago, and he was leading it for about thirty or forty laps. Yeah. Do you know what? Well done. Well done them. Perez was a victim of Verstappen. Yeah, and yeah. he went backwards really, didn't he? he? Got mugged by Verstappen and and Grosjean all in one go, mm. and then sort of just faded and ended up out of the points. But you know, unremarkable. They did. Uh, you know, they they finished in the points. Yeah, one of them did. Yeah, Hulkenberg probably did about as well as he could have done in sixth. I mean, he was never well, going to beat any of the decent cars, was he? He's had a crappy few months, so, you know, good on him. for it for a change. Yeah. Okay, nothing yeah, else to no, say about that. McLaren, well. Oh, God. Oh, well, I mean, it feels like kicking a disabled child now, doesn't it, really? I just want to say that well, now fun. I think Alonso and Button have just said they're just taking the absolute piss now. <laughs> <laughs> they're just treating it like a sort of kids' week away, isn't it? Exactly. It's like they're kids on a school trip where they're supposed <laughs> to be learning something, but they're just dicking around at the Black Country Museum or wherever they've gone. <laughs> so if you didn't see, in the, in, was it Qualify, wasn't it, when Alonso had to retire the car? <laughs> Obviously, <the> yes. <laughs> Either there was just a picnic chair there, or he had packed a picnic chair <laughs> he was in, in the his car. car. It did look very choreographed. And he just got out and he sat there, and he just sat on the side of the track... Looking to all intents, like a man who had lost it, like a man who had finally gone. Like it would have only been more apparent if he'd have put some underpants on his head, two pencils off his nose, and said "wibble wibble." <laughs> that was exactly. Well, of course, you could get shot for that. So exactly. that's why really really I didn't do it. And he uh, earned yeah. himself the hashtag "places Alonso would rather be." Yeah, I'd rather. It was an, I think it was another extremely well planned dig at Honda by Alonso. He knows what he's doing. He's been in Formula One long enough that he knows there are cameras, and they're going to catch yeah. him sitting there sunning himself in a deck chair. He's just, it's Alonso being uh, rebellious, revolutionary. Both. He's usurping the powers that be. Yeah. With his sort of uh, protests. And then, now bear in mind, Ron Dennis, who runs McLaren, has no sense of humour whatsoever. It always kind of wants to make out that McLaren are the best thing in the world, even though they're clearly not right now. <laughs> and then there's that wonderful bit where him, Alonso and Button climbed onto the podium. <laughs> That was brilliant. Just, just in the qualifier, they just the podium was empty. They both got on. Sam Blow took a picture of them. They pretended they won the race, and they were gigging like. And it was like a school trip. We like if we had a trip to a Grand Prix circuit, and the podium was there, we'd get on, and we'd fight over who came first. I've literally done that at several race circuits exactly. that I visited on tours. I've just sort of run up to the podium and gone, "Yeah, run." Now you don't do that if there's a good chance you're going to be on that podium on Sunday because it's just demeaning. 
but obviously McLaren no chance so they've done it and it's just like you can imagine that Ron Dennis was sat there going you're making the team look bad he just said it in a much more long-winded way yeah. but yeah you're not optimising the visual appearance of this uh, constructor. However, they did both finish. Yeah, I mean, that's good. Mm. So they can, uh, you know, they get some important data that they can use when they throw the engine away at the end of the year. <laughs> but McLaren haven't had a great week because they're now at their lowest place in 30 years and they've just lost their biggest sponsor to McLaren. Yeah. To uh, what? McLaren. To, <laughs> sorry, lost their biggest sponsor to Red Bull. Tag. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm going to be talking about that later. However, despite this, both drivers have said they're still optimistic about next season. Maybe it's because it's like, well, it can't be any worse, <laughs> let's be honest. It's unlikely they're going to be beaten by the Manners, but they're probably expecting to get beaten by the Haas team. They could have just lowered their expectations, but we're still optimistic, you know, that we, we might be above. Yeah, I think, because they've started this optimism thing right from the start. Where they were like, I'll just wait till the Spanish Grand Prix, we're going to win. No, just wait another two races, I've seen what's coming, right? <laughs> so now, it's like the boy who cried wolf. Now their optimism, <laughs> I just got to believe it. I'd be, I'd be happier if Alonso was going... Do you know what? I think there's a strong chance we're going to be fucking shit next year. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else is a bonus. If they finish sixth, we'll be like, well, well done. Okay, have we got much to say about Sauber? Do we ever have much Nothing. to say about Sauber? I mean, um, NASA had a grid penalty and they both finished out the points and it's it's not really good enough. I mean, they've, you know, they've got a Ferrari engine, which isn't too bad. Ferrari are doing quite well with them. And, uh, and they've been pretty rubbish, really. I have, what a great team with a great heritage. Bored shitless. Okay, Manor. <sighs> Um, Did anything happen? They got in the way a lot. Yeah. They got out of the way a lot. That's also good. I don't know if I told you on my my driving lessons experience. I had a moment a few weeks ago now where I knew what it was like to be a manor driver. You had a manor moment. Yeah, because I was... The guide said, turn left at this junction, turn left again. And I went out into quite a busy road. And in the mirrors, I could see there was a bus and a whole snake of traffic behind me. And I was like, I don't want to be that learner driver that holds up traffic. So I was trying to get out of the way. But it's not easy to get out of the way when there's other traffic coming, and that's like technically illegal or something. I don't know. And but all that, the pressure of them coming up behind me, I was like, this is what Will Stevens feels like the whole time. So you see, so empathise with him. Do you want to buy a watch? <laughs> 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 Fell off the back of a McLaren. <laughs> Let's move on to your questions. And as usual, we had floods of questions. We had one from Brett Cooper on Facebook. Cheers, Good question, though. It is good. And thank God for Brett. Otherwise, this would be a boring feature. Given recently announced cuts that need to be made at the BBC, do you think Formula One is about to disappear from UK free-to-air TV? Hello to all our non-UK-based listeners, for whom this will be undoubtedly fascinating. (laughs) So the BBC, BBC are a wonderful corporation. We all love them dearly. It's, it's what free. makes Britain great. What's happening is, what's that word? Allegedly, the um, <laughs> hello lawyers. The BBC has to face lots of cuts because obviously it's not sustainable to have a wonderful thing for the community and the thing that makes Britain great. That's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. So instead, we're going to have to cut everything off to Sky and the Tory Party. And so, it's lost the golf, it's lost the horse racing, it's lost the... It needs to save money, basically. Oh, yeah, like that. So, Terry, why is free-to-air important to Formula One? Sponsors. More eyes on the screen, sees more little logos, Mm -hmm. more little logos at Christmas go, oh, I'd like to buy my wife a watch. Maybe she'd like a tag here one. (laughs) For example, it's a good idea, actually. Didn't we write that down? Um... (laughs) The damning statistic that when Hamilton won the 2008 World Championship, there was like 11 million people watching live. When he won the other week, there was like 2 million watching live because it was on a sky-only thing. So, you know, there's going to be less people spending money sponsoring Formula 1. But not only that, could it have long-term effect on the sport? Definitely, because the problem now is that Formula 1 has a slightly over-exaggerated view of itself. And slightly. People, slightly. <laughs> and goes, oh, people will spend... 35 quid a month to watch Formula 1 now I am a die in the wool Formula 1 fan watched every race since 1989 whatever I will pay I'm one of those people that will pay to watch it and I gladly will I'm not the average person they're trying to attract the average person trying to attract is the guy that's sat in on a Sunday afternoon going oh the Formula 1's on alright I'll give it a watch they're not going to sit there and go oh I'm bored maybe I'll spend a tenner to watch that sport I don't really like (laughs) 
it's the, it's the casual audience, yeah. But, I mean, the BBC, when they were doing the full, the bullshit bang, and they had the whole season and they showed all the races live, mm. they did a brilliant job. Mm. I mean, Sky now are doing a pretty good job, but when, when Sky first came in, immediately I thought, this isn't as good as the BBC, even though they poached half their staff. And the BBC, I mean, the BBC, apart from a short stint with ITV, where they put adverts in the middle of the race, which was phenomenally annoying. <laughs> Again, hello to the American <laughs> listeners who have no sympathy for us because they do that all the time. But, um, yeah, the BBC all showed the, the complete race. They had really good packages and they read really good interviewers and the whole thing was brilliant. And if they lose it completely, it's a great shame. And I think it's more important than ever that, that as many people as possible get to see Formula 1 because, let's face it, compared to the 80s, there is a hell of a lot more distractions for people now. And the whole idea of, of, of a sport that is <coughs> sponsored by Hublot and a watch that costs... How much does a Hublot watch cost? Depends on the model. But they're not cheap. No, seriously, what, what's the cheapest Hublot watch, I reckon? It's Hublot. <laughs> um, Hublot. I'm going to say you could pick up a basic Hublot for 900 quid. Right, so this is the kind of sport that's sponsored by huge money. All of the drivers live in Monaco. They're all I'd just like to say, I've Googled it, I was very, very wrong. I thought you might be. I didn't want to correct you because I thought you might have one. But isn't I, found it one I found one for six grand. There you go. And that's an X-Display one. <laughs> X-Display one. This is, a, this is a sport where all the sponsors are high-end money. All the people driving earn a lot of money and they expect to bring us, the poor viewer, to go, oh, by the way, to watch all these rich people fucking around in fast cars, that's a tenner. In summary, to Brett's question, do you think it's about to disappear? It's not going to disappear. There'll always be the hardcore people who pay whatever to watch it, but it, it, I don't think... It's free to air TV. Disappear or free to air telly. And I think, yes, it might. Oh, I see what you mean. Uh, There's a distinct possibility. And if not, there's always radio. Or tennis. Or tennis. Have they still got the tennis? They've lost that as well. I oh, think they're down, uh, down to like tiddlywinks and badminton now, I think. Oh, badminton, though. <laughs> okay, consider your question answered, Brett. Thank you very much. Feel free to send us a question on Twitter at for f one sake or you can find us on Facebook forward slash FF1S. Phil, what news have you got for us? I'll tell you right after Terry tells me what jingle he's got for us. <laughs> That's the, we've had that one. It's the same jingle, Terry. As what? Manor. We all know them. We all love them. They're super quick at being slow. They're at the back of the field, uh, but next year things might get better. They're going to get a Mercedes engine. Could they be really quick? Well, maybe, but they're losing three of their top blokes. John Booth, Graham Loudon and Bob Bell, who's their tech consultant, have all decided that they don't want to be there anymore, and they've resigned. Apparently because they don't get on with the latest owner, who is Stephen Fitzpatrick. He's the guy that bailed them out when they nearly collapsed last year. So they're all off. Which is interesting, because it makes me wonder what's going to happen with them next year. They've got a nice new engine, which should help. I presume they've got a pretty good car, or at least it must be a better car, surely, in the works. But they're now without three of their sort of leading lights. However, they have got Dave Ryan coming in as racing director next year. Some of you may remember from McLaren. He's the one that took the fall for the Ligate scandal in Australia, where they were lying to the stewards. Do you remember that? Yeah. In 2009? Back when Hamilton was still a cock. Well, he, he was very experienced with um, with McLaren. He'd been with them for like 30 years. I think he was James Hunt's mechanic or something like that. So he, he knows a shit ton of stuff. Uh, apparently he rules with a rod of iron. So it, it'll be interesting to see what happens with them because next year is pretty important for them to do better than they have done because suddenly there'll be 11 teams with the arrival of Haas and only the top 10 teams get any prize money. So if they don't not come last, they'll be broke. Mm. Any thoughts? Well... It does remind me a lot of 1998, I think it was, when me and three other people quit HMV <laughs> at the same time because we were pissed off with the manager. And how did that end, Terry? Well, look how badly HMV are doing now. <laughs> so you think that the, the departure of key personnel could be could be quite important based on I your experience? I think unless men are getting into digital downloads, sharpish, they are screwed. <laughs> right then, I think we need to move on to your next news <coughs> item then, Phil. Well, speaking of retirements, uh, a couple of key people have called it a day. Um, Alex Verts, who for a while was linked with the uh, the vacant seat uh, of team principal at Manor, but uh, literally just before we've recorded, has apparently said, no, he's not going to do it. But yeah, Alex Verts, remember him, raced for a bit, don't think he won anything. Quite a successful career afterwards in sports cars. He's decided he's done with racing now. His but he would like to be in the sport so we might see him pop up somewhere his CV is really weirdly impressive and shit at the same time in, the, in one of his first Formula 1 races he got a podium then he lost his seat was a test driver for years stepped like in Magnuson. for yeah, he stepped in for like Montoya or something at McLaren and got a podium so like he, he was really good but then just you know but he just never got a good drive 
How will you remember Alex first? What's his legacy in Formula 1? Big hands. <laughs> I don't know why I think that. I think he's got really <laughs> big hands. Next time we see Do we know steering this, wheel. Or you just no. Okay. That's the first thing I thought. Okay. We'll move on to the other person that's uh, retired, uh, Susie Wolf. Oh. Uh, we touched on it earlier in the show. Uh, she's decided to call it a day because, let's face it, she was never going to get an F1 drive. We, we thought at the beginning of the season we, she might get an F1 drive when Bottas clobbered himself. And they were like, oh, I can get Susie Wolf in. And the team literally looked for anybody else other than her. Who did they have? I can't remember who they had. They had, uh, was it Suter, was it? I can't even remember now. Yeah. It was anybody other than Susie Wolf, and mm. she was basically sitting there going, "Guys, guys!" She was doing a weird Scottish German <laughs> accent. Guys, I'm I'm here the new. Um, I don't think they went for Sutil because they were doing that trick of going. So our replacement driver is going to be Sutil. Well, anyway, she didn't get in, and she's just been. I think she's realised she's just going to be sitting around there doing the occasional free practice at best. But rather than go and drive something else, she said, "No, I'm done. Going to put my feet up. I'm going to live with my stupidly rich." team director husband and live a life of leisure and she gave a sort of inspiring speech as she resigned saying she doesn't expect to see a female driver anytime soon <laughs> pretty much I mean uh, Chica you're uh, in the loosest possible sense uh, a woman in F1 I'm a woman and you talk about F1 sometimes <laughs> what do you think Susie Wolf's done for women in F1 well, I think she's done, she's done a good thing. I think the fact that, you know, she was a figurehead has has been good. But I think the fact she left it like that isn't great. I, I think she could have at least been like, I'm just not gone, up This is anymore. all rubbish. I'm out of here. You guys could do it, though. Instead, she's like, nah, just This is just never going to fucking quit, work. Don't, you know, don't quit your day jobs. Uh, so, yeah, she's gone. That's mm. that. McLaren, having a bit of a shitty time of it at the moment. But <sighs> they can always rely on the support of their partners, the sponsors. They're valued, long-term people that'll always prop them up, no matter what's going oh, on. Oh, you mean Hugo Boss? Uh, no, no, Hugo Boss have gone. Oh, Johnny um, Walker? No, they're going as well. Oh, Marlboro. Um, <laughs> Marlboro have been gone a while. Um, although they're still with Ferrari, which yeah. must be a little bit Weird. annoying if you're McLaren. No, I'm talking about Tag Heuer, who've been uh, 30 years. They've been partnered with McLaren uh, until this season, when they've taken one look at what's been going on and gone, oh god, it's we haven't got time for this. <laughs> What's worse is who have they gone to? Well, they've gone to Red Bull, <laughs> oh. um, which He's must be a right kick of the teeth. Because I mean, how bad must things be when you've you're abandoned for a team that doesn't have an engine for next year? Um, I'm intrigued to know what this actually means for Casio, because Red Bull currently have Casio as their watch sponsor. I think it's pretty obvious. I think Red Bull are going. Oh, we've got a conflict of interest. Either we have Tag here or Casio. Buy Casio. Casio make good watches. I've got one. In fact, I've got I've got a load of G-Shocks as well. I've got like six Casio watches. That's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> is it? They didn't call me up and ask. I'd like a Tag Heuer watch, but they're really expensive. What's that sound I hear? It's my case resting. <laughs> Quite a mighty case you've got there. Just full of Casios. <laughs> Mates with Will Stevens. Uh, there is some good news for McLaren, though, because they have signed a deal with Chandon. Uh, the Who? makers the of French sparkling condom. wine. Oh. <laughs> no, I think they make champagne that you're not allowed to officially call champagne. Which, interestingly enough, <laughs> I actually champagne. <laughs> no, champagne. They, um, Chandon is owned by the same company that owns Tag Heuer. So I actually wonder if this is just like, look, we're taking our big toy and you can have this little one. Well, they lost Vodafone as well, didn't they? And yeah. Santander. Yeah. Jesus, have they got any sponsors? Chandon. <laughs> <laughs> sparkling wine flavored product. <laughs> And like the oil that's in the car. They got, they've still got mobile lights, so yeah, they've still got that. And that's Is it called mobile lights? Yeah. Well, it's German. I mean, it's mobile one, but it's, I think they all call it mobile I've lights. I've never heard it. But mobile one has been on the cars forever, and I've always called it mobile one. Never thought it was mobile lights. I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to Google no, it now because you've got right. me worried, but I'm sure it's called mobile I lights. Trust, I trust your opinion. So as we trust you, Terry, so much, please can you tell us about the state of F1? Yes. Red Bull have taken their tantruming, moaning, stupid ways to such a level that they have now engineered themselves to have their own engine next year. And I, for one, am disgusted. It's being talked about as though a new engine 
in Formula One is a budgetary thing to save the little teams. It's like we're going to have like Cosworth back or something and have a kind of independent engine that's going to, any team can go, hey, can we have that independent engine? They'll be like, yeah, guys, because we've got this cheap engine just for you. And instead, Red Bull are totally hijacking the situation. Red Bull, the same team who left the Formula One Teams Association and broke it up. Red Bull, the same team who, when it suited them, signed with Ferrari for the Concord Agreement to the dismissal of the rest of the sport, have now gone, we haven't got an engine, so we're going to make our own engine and that's going to be the quote independent engine and it's not going to be independent at all it's going to be a red bull engine and they're going oh but it'd be really good if actually the sport had like a an independent supplier that maybe we could help make the engine (laughs) fuck them in the last couple of weeks the fia have put out a tender an expression of interest for anyone to make a, a new engine and they've put it out with such short notice that no one can seriously get an expression of interest ready in time unless someone's already got one ready what was that christian horner what what was that you just left on the table it's a new engine oh wow it's funny you say that because we've just we've just said we're looking for new engines and you've got a new engine oh my god that's amazing what a coincidence or we'll talk about that at christmas won't we and so instead we've got this farcical situation where red bull are pretending to have a new engine that's good for the sport and it's just good for them and it's disgusting and I think it should be looked at by the International Court of Dickwads. I mean, they're just looking to identify candidates interested in becoming an exclusive supplier of the alternative engine to the competitors and we've got until Monday. Yeah, that's not very long to get a proper thing together, uh, Well, do you know what? Like Red Bull, <laughs> I've done a bit of planning. <laughs> You've got an engine in the works. I think I have a solution. <laughs> So, um, I've decided that we should, as a podcast, and maybe as a movement, fill in our own expression of interest for Formula One by Monday. I mean, what do we do in this situation? Do we just write them a note going, yeah, all right, we'll give you an engine. Send them a letter. Inside the letter says, please find enclosed new engine, Formula One. In the letter is just two pencils and an elastic band. <laughs> Still better than the Honda engine. Yeah. <laughs> <but actually. laughs> so we have until Monday the 23rd, 23rd of November to fill in. We here at the podcast have done the lion's share of the work by setting up a blank Google document. <laughs> I've been very, very busy. Yeah. So all we need to all we want to do, we're going to put a post up on Facebook and Twitter to this document. And we'd like all of you listening to fill in your own details of what you think the new engine should be. And we will send that as an official... <laughs> Submission to an expression of interest in Formula One engines, and let's secretly all hope we don't get it because it could be that, awkward. That could be a tricky contract to get yourself out. <laughs> Especially if Red Bull approaches and say, "Yeah, yeah, we'll take it." Oh yeah, sure. Sounds really good. Looking forward to the Red Bull FF One S. <laughs> Me too, mate. Me too. Just be one of the three of us in the back running. <laughs> So this is genuinely going to happen. We have got the link up. Check us out on Twitter, at For F1's Sake. You have until Monday, so get going. And if it's past Monday, you've missed it. But until then, we want to hear your engine suggestions. But now it's predictions for the final Grand Prix of the season, Abu Dhabi. I'm looking forward to Abu Dhabi. I've, uh, last year was the first time I didn't go to the race. I've been to every single Abu Dhabi race apart from last year. Oh, well, I've never been to any Abu Dhabi race. That's where you win. <laughs> So what happened last time? We had double points. I wasn't there. Double points. Rosberg could have won the championship, but his car went, and then because of the weird lighting, stroke visors, we could see him crying (laughs) on the camera. I really like that. Those those are the night races where you get the camera in the cockpit that just looks into the whites of their soul. Yeah. So I think we're going to see more crying. Okay, more tears. That was the one time that I sort of felt a bit sorry for Rosberg because he conducted himself in quite a gentlemanly manner. No, it's because his car was dying. He's like, I'm going to go to the end of the race, guys. It's good that he used that experience to fight back this year, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) So, let's talk about our predictions for this year. What are we saying? Vettel's going to win. It's going to be Rosberg second. Hamilton's going to crash out. Verstappen's going to get his first podium at the end of the year. Much as I'd like to th- agree with you that Verstappen will get, Verstappen will get a, a podium, I don't think the massively long straight is going to be conducive to anything other than a Mercedes engine and possibly Ferrari's car. 
So we're gonna crash. I'm gonna say Rosberg's gonna keep it going. He's gonna win. Hamilton will be second again. Do you want me to do you want me to mix it up or do you want me to just say what I actually think? Okay, is say what happen? you think. Say what you actually I think. I think Fettel's going to be third. Yeah, you're so predictable. Well, that's because <laughs> that's what I usually think. It's what usually happens. That's why I think it. I'm going to say Hamilton, Vettel, Bottas. Ooh. And what do you think happens to Rosberg? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. Ooh. <laughs> what do you guys think of the Abu Dhabi uh, race? Are you taken in by the glitz and glamour of it? No. Do you get no. excited? I hate it. Why do you hate it? Because it's just people going, oh, look, look, oh, everyone here is rich. It's oh, like Monaco, oh, I wasn't rich. The charm. But I'd like to be in that swimming pool. Have you seen it? The swimming pool that overlooks the racetrack on the top of a building. No, that's the Singapore, isn't it? Because <laughs> I've been to the Singapore at the... Uh, uh, the oh, sorry, I've been, to the, I've been to the pool on the top of the Yas Hotel and you can't see the track from there. So there's not a pool in Abu Dhabi, <laughs> is that what you're saying? There is a pool in there's Abu no Dhabi, swimming pool but in the track's Abu Dhabi. not in Abu Dhabi itself. It's outside Phil the city knows, on the Yas Island. Right? I've been there. I went to uh, Centre Parks last week. It's very similar. I'm looking forward to their Grand Prix next year. <laughs> that would be good, actually. Centre on Park, the BMX track. Flitwick Centre Parks Grand Prix. Oh, no, you want to go to the Sherwood Forest one. Good. That's going to be almost <laughs> as exciting as this year's Abu Dhabi. It's the last race of the season, so we need to have a look at the standings. So, world champion is Crashy Drunk. Second is Smug Blonde. German, definitely third. Crashy Finn is fourth. Grumpy Finn is fifth. Old Brazilian sixth. The USSR seventh. Teeth coming at number eight. And Tire Protector nine. The Incredible Sulk is tenth. Chicken Gouge on eleventh. Max Power is twelfth. The Young Brazilian <laughs> is thirteenth. Brace Yourselves, fourteenth. Rally Driver Junior is fifteenth. Velcro is sixteenth. Sunbay the seventeenth. Old Mobile Phone is eighteenth. In nineteenth is Mer. Twentieth is Trotter's Independent Trading. <laughs> 21st is Status Quo and 22nd is Mastermind. Who's Mastermind? Magnuson. Oh, God. I forgot he'd even raced. And if I can just do the Constructors' Championship as well, that's all right. Um, the winners of the Constructors' Championship this year is Silver. Second is Red. Third is Martini. Fourth is Cunts. Fifth is Jordan. Sixth is JPS. Seventh is Baby Cunts. Eighth is Believers. Ninth is Earth Car. And tenth is Estate. Thank you very much, Terry. I think we're now ready for the final race of the season. Thank you for listening. Tell us how wrong we are by tweeting us at For F1's Sake. We'll be back in two weeks' time for the final Grand Prix of the season. Until then, goodbye to Phil Tromans. Goodbye. We didn't have time to talk about uh, Hamilton and his terrible driving at Monaco. No, not the Grand Prix, but on the streets. Uh, He wasn't drunk, apparently, but he was uh, very heavy-partied and uh, crashed his very expensive Pagani Zonda into some cars. And Terry Saunders. And we haven't had a time to talk about who is it that Martin Brundle hates. <laughs> On the podium, you could just hear him as he came off the podium interview going, I hate you, but we don't know who. Arthur's on a postcard to <laughs> Martin Brundle. And I'm Chikarez. Please help us build an engine. Goodbye. <laughs>